When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Big Ten tournament is over. The NCAA tournament coming up this week. Not even weekend. Thursday through Sunday, the NCAA's Greg Pickle, our wrestling insider, coming to tell us about what to expect from Penn State in the NCAA tournament. Is it another championship run for the Nittany Lions? What happened to the Big Ten? How does that affect all of what's going to happen over the next four days at the end of the week? So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time for us. Hey, T. Frank, it's good to be with you on a Monday. We're fired up for NCAA tournament week, as you mentioned. And, you know, for Penn State, uh, it's about time to just go out there on the mat and do it. You know, as we're going to get into here, there were some, I think, things with the seating that Penn State wasn't happy about. Its fans certainly were not happy about. And I think that some of that stuff uh, will have an impact on this tournament. But overall, you know, Penn State, Kale Sanderson, uh, his re- nine wrestlers going to Detroit where this year's tournament will be held. They just have to be ready to go out and wrestle from the first match of their respective weight class. So as long as they do that, they'll be able to take care of business. Yeah, and also we've been saying for about three weeks now that uh, Penn State football is around the corner. And it's actually true. We're seven days away from the start of spring practice. So we'll be getting to a little bit of a spring preview with Greg and some of the things he's thinking about as we are just outside of Things actually happening. But let's start with wrestling, and let's start with Drew Hildebrandt. I want to back up to the Big Ten tournament. Um, Struggled in the Big Ten tournament, led to a poor seeding in the NCAA tournament. What happened there from the the Big Ten standard and and, and situation that led to the NCAA seeding, and what's the disconnect? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, you know, Kale Sanderson summed it up best when he said it was kind of a surprise and they didn't really expect him to fall all the way to where he did. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to be able to, you know, we hear it all the time and it's cliche and people don't like cliches, blah, blah, blah. But it's true. You have to control the controllables, T. Frank. And Drew Hildebrandt, given the opportunity to control uh, in at least some respect where he would end up being seated, uh, was not very good at the Big Ten tournament, and that dropped him to number 16 uh, seed. He'll face Anthony Noto of Lock Haven in the 16-17 match to start uh, the 125-pound tournament there in Detroit. But the winner of that gets Nick Seriato of Michigan, who's the top seed. And so that's what he had led himself to. And again, you know, you can make the argument that he shouldn't have fell that far and that there needs to be some flexibility with the way this process works in terms mm-hmm. of the seeds are basically determined by a formula between a coach's poll and an RPI ranking. And there's not really any way for, you know, they say it's a selection committee, right? Right. But it's more just a, it's more just a selection group of people who run the numbers and then sign off on them, you know? So so there's no individual sort of human element. It's all about what the numbers say. And then you go with the numbers, which can be skewed by something, right? And and it doesn't take into the picture, the wrestler or, their competition is is that sort of the issue well yeah i think that there should be some ability to so there is a bit of a human element in terms of the coaches poll and that those 
coaches voting on uh, the kind of the ranking of things at each weight, at each weight class. Uh, and then the seeds are kind of made in part that way. But there's no ability to stop and say, uh, you know, a good example of this, Drew Hildebrand, not necessarily the greatest one. But Brady Berge, I think, is probably a better example. You know, he beat a guy from Iowa twice in the uh, in the 157-pound Big Ten tournament. And yet he was seated, I think it was five or six spots at least lower than mm-hmm. the guy he had just beat twice two weekends before, or a weekend before, rather. And there should be a way for the selection committee to say, hmm, you know, maybe we need to tweak this a little bit because maybe this guy who, you know, just didn't beat another uh, wrestler once by, you know, via fluke, you know, he actually beat him twice. Uh, and even though he doesn't have as many matches as a lot of these other guys because he didn't come back until January and then he wrestled 165 before he dropped to 157 for the postseason, you know, there should be an ability from look at us and say, OK, hold on a second. We need to rethink this. Even though the criteria is this, the results were that. So how can we meet in the middle best as possible? So I think that's what Kale Sanderson and what many other coaches are going to push for this offseason. But at the end of the day, if you go back and watch Kale Sanderson's news conference or if you read the story over at Blue White Illustrated, uh, he also made another very good point, T. Frank, which is that this is not the first time in the history of the NCAA wrestling tournament this right. has happened. In fact, it happens every single year. And so – Maybe they will change the the approach here, but at the same time, I think it's fair to say that they were going to change it. Why wouldn't they change it by now if it's been such a problem for so many years? Yeah. So we'll see. But it's (laughs) It's uh, a lot of questions, not not a lot of answers. It's not even the first sport where there's been a problem with the ranking system. And I think he he also made a good point that pretty much every team is going to be unhappy with something when it comes to the seating because that's, you know, you're vying for your position and somebody's going to be disappointed. Penn State had a couple of seeds they didn't like. And and I think from a logic perspective, you can kind of see why that might be. So, yeah, one last thing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, one final thought there. We'll take it wherever you'd like. But, you know, I think the biggest thing, T. Frank, and and Kale Sanderson said this, is that there just has to be consistency, right? I mean, if you're going to do things this way, that's fine. But then there should be never any question about everyone having the same – being treated the same way, I guess. And when you look through the brackets, there are some instances where – you feel like that maybe there was some human element added to the process. And then there's others where that was definitely not the case. So it is what it is. But yeah, ultimately I think that what they need to do is come up and I don't know what the perfect system is. I don't know if anyone has that answer right now, but I just think it's something that is equitable, that is defensible. And I'm not sure they have that right now. Uh, When it comes to, before we get to the NCAA tournament, was there some disappointment in not winning the big 10 tournament Win the big 10 regular season? don't get that second box checked before heading on to the NCAAs. Was there a sense of disappointment? Or as you've mentioned before, Kale Sanderson is all about winning a national championship, winning as many of those as possible. So what's the kind of view of what happened the other weekend uh, in Lincoln? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good instructive example of what Penn State can't do if it wants to win the national title. And look, I understand that they they gear up for nationals and they wrestle for nationals and that's what they uh, focus on from the you know 124 seven 365 is a phrase I'm looking for but at the same time uh, it's not like you want to hand away the conference crown to Michigan and I'm not saying Penn State did that Michigan wrestled really really well and earned it but at the same time T Frank you know when you go back through and just think about some of these 
areas where Penn State lost points. Obviously, when you lose by a point and a half, Drew Hildebrand, even winning one uh, consolation match that mattered for the team race, could have changed things. You know, they had some guys who won by decision uh, one point away from a major and another half bonus point that they weren't able to pick up. So, you know, and then, uh, you know, when Aaron Brooks loses in the finals by the upset, I mean, you can't blame one guy or one situation for losing the Big Ten tournament by a point and a half. There was a lot of chances for a lot of guys across the lineup to score enough points to win or beat a Michigan guy heads up to help uh, secure the deal, and they weren't able to get it done. But, you know, no one's going to remember that uh, Penn State didn't win the Big Ten title if Penn State wins the national title, right? right. So, that you know, it's kind of that that mantra that we hear from coaches, James Franklin, Kale Sanderson, I'm sure Michael Shrewsbury, uh, everyone else in the coaching world, that, you know, it's, it's you got to look ahead, not backwards, right? So you can lament that they didn't win it and all that, but at the end of the day, uh, you have to be ready to now go wrestle a better tournament in Detroit. So, you know, the takeaway for me is I think you saw some things, especially from Brady Berge, but it was one who stands out. Uh, Bo Bartlett, another one. Guys, so you're going to need some points from it, Nationals, that are probably not going to end up in the finals, but if they can somehow find their way through and, and you know, again, the other thing on this seeding stuff too, T Frank is, you, you know, so, okay, you don't want to be the 16 seed because you don't want to wrestle the number one guy in right. the second round, but you're probably going to have to wrestle that guy at some point anyway, right. if you want to win the title. So, right. you know, it, it, at some point there is also a component to all this. that is just go out and win your matches, go yeah. out and beat the guys uh, opposite you for, uh, seven minutes and and see what you're left with at the end of the day. So you know, yeah. I think Penn State should, Penn State fans should not be worrying that the seeding outcomes ruin their chances to fight for a Big Ten or I'm sorry, an NCAA team title. That's just not the case. Would they have loved to have sent all ten guys uh, to Detroit and you know get Creighton Edsel and at large bid at 165? Yes, but you know that wasn't in the cards. So they have just nine going there and that. You know, some other schools do have the full amount going, so that will be something they have to contend with. But ultimately, uh, you know, it is what it is. And if they wrestle the way they can wrestle, it's not out of the question that they will leave Detroit with a uh, NCAA title. And, and you mentioned, I think you said you were you were projecting eight or nine getting to the NCAA tournament. Yes. So um, that's you're spot on with that. Is it did it play out the way you expected? Was the eight was it the nine eight or nine you were expecting, or were there some you know with the seedings? Is this a little bit surprising about how it played out no I think it went pretty much as expected you know again I think some of these guys are seated a little bit lower if if I would have sat down uh I the I thought to see of the full disclosure I thought the seats were coming out a day uh a different time so I uh you know didn't necessarily go through all of them and try and predict where Penn State was going to fall beforehand and it almost would have been a useless task anyway T Frank because until you see the the coaches poll and the RPI rankings that go into this formula, uh, you can try and figure it out based on outside rankings, but it really wouldn't matter. So at any rate, um, no, I mean, some of these guys are definitely a little bit lower than I thought they would be. Others might be higher than, than you thought they would be, but you know, at the end of the day, I think it makes sense. I think that going into the big 10 tournament, if you were thinking that Penn state was going to get eight or nine through to nationals, that it was going to be one of Brady Berge, Bo Bartlett or Creighton Etzel that did not make it. And it ended up being Creighton Etzel, who I thought actually wrestled halfway, you know, not poorly at at Big Tens. But uh, but at the end of the day, it was about, you know, when Penn State brought Brady Berge back at 65 and then decided to drop him to 57, it created two problems. One is that Berge was not going to have maybe enough matches at 157 to get the seed that 
Penn State fans think he deserves. And then Creighton Etzel was going to sit on the sidelines for a month and a half before right. coming back into the mix. And, you know, those were two risks Penn State took. Do I think they were the right risk to take? Absolutely. But did you know that there was going to possibly be some issues because of it? Yeah, no question. So that's right. where we're at at this point. Um, but, you know, again, Penn State does get um, does get nine guys there and they'll take it. They would they love 10. Yes, of course. But they will take what they have at this point in time. So Penn State clearly has a couple number one seeds, but with that in mind, who do you think has the best path to a championship, maybe outside of those guys, and then we can get to them at the end? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, T. Frank, because it's it can be hard to guess just simply based off the fact that, um, that you know, <clears throat> the Big Ten tournament, I think, is more challenging. Most people, anyway, believe it's more challenging than the, uh, than the NCAA tournament, and right. there's some... There's some thought, I think, behind that. Obviously, you know, if you're a Penn State wrestler and you are just, you know, you're going to see a lot of these guys at the NCAA tournament. You know, I haven't right. looked at the allocation and the, the, basically the allocations in that large combination to see if the Big Ten has the most wrestlers here. But I'd be stunned if it does not. So, you know, when you look at um, the guys who won the Big Ten tournament or were in the finals matches, I mean, I think obviously – you know, when you look at Roman Bravo Young, when you look at Nick Lee, Max Dean, you know, these guys, Carter Starachi, um, you know, and Aaron Brooks, too, even though he didn't win the Big Ten title. Um, you know, those are your guys who you're expecting to possibly go win it all. You know, Greg Kirkfleet at heavyweight is not, I don't believe, beating uh, Gable Stevenson from, Stevenson from Minnesota. I mm -hmm. just don't think anyone's beating that guy um, unless he gets hurt. So, you know, you can probably cross 285 off the list. You can probably cross, you know, Brooks is going to have to to repeat at Nationals. He's going to have to, uh, you know, uh, avenge his loss in the Big Ten tournament is the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm not sure I see Brady Berge winning a title, but I, he was so impressive at Big Tens that you just never know. I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, you know, and then you have, of course, Bo Bartlett at 149. I don't think we're going to see him on the top podium, uh, but RBY certainly and uh, at 33 and Nick Lee at 41. And then with True Hildebrandt, uh, I guess we'll see. He's a two time <laughs> All American. Yeah. Uh, he would have to beat Nick Siriano, Siriano in round two to qualify for that. And then, you know, Bergie's in the same situation. He'd have to beat the top guy at his weight, whose name escapes me at the moment, but I will find it here as I blabber. But yeah, so um, uh, David Carr, Iowa State, is who he'd have to get in round two. So, you know, again, you're going to have to beat these guys at some point. It's yep. not, it's not like you can avoid them in all likelihood uh, for the entire tournament. So, if you're a Penn State wrestler, I think you have to accept the challenge that's ahead of you. If you're Drew Hildebrandt, you know what you're getting in Nick Siriano. You've seen him before. Uh, and if you're Brady Berkey, you know. You know, it's interesting to me, T. Frank, that most of these guys don't care who they're wrestling in the first round or the second round. It's about what they do. Right. Uh, you know, Max Dean was asked about that. And he said if someone told him he was wrestling, that would be fine. But at the end of the day, he doesn't really want to know, prefers not to know, doesn't care. Uh, Nick Lee felt the same way, which I thought was interesting. But it just goes to show you the mentality of a Penn State wrestler. And, of course, uh, many teams, uh, schools, wrestlers. But certainly the, the mindset Kale Sanderson preaches is, you know, we're going to focus on what we do. We're going to try and go score a bunch of points. And at the end of the day, if we do those two things to the best of our ability, the match will take care of itself. So I'm assuming Michigan is one of the teams contending for a national title this year, seeing as they beat Penn State in the Big Ten uh, tournament. But who are the teams that are the biggest contenders outside of the Nittany Lions for a national championship? And then I'll ask you your prediction after that. So what do you think are the, are the teams to know for Penn State this year? 
Yeah, I just have a hard time, Keith. Frank, look, any team can get hot at any given time, right? I mean, I think that I think that we all know that that's the case, but I just I don't know if I see anyone out competing Penn State and Michigan here. I think it's a two team race, and you know, will there be some other teams that are in the mix, especially on Thursday and Friday when the team standings are in a more preliminary state? Yes, but. After watching those guys at the Big Ten tournament and the way they all competed and the number of wrestlers they have going to NCAAs, I just don't know if I, I don't know how anyone, uh, barring a major surprise, well, lots of them actually, could uh, overcome Michigan or Penn State. So to me, it's a two-team race. Penn State uh, lost Drew Hildebrand to the ninth, tenth place match, which didn't even count for team points after just two matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State lost in the finals in what I think most would consider an upset in the Brooks Amin match at 184. So all of these things, uh, it kind of transpired in Michigan's favor, and they still only won by a point and a half. So to me, uh, my prediction would be based on what I've seen over the last couple of weekends, but also just a last couple of months in terms of the entire season tells me that Penn State should be considered a favorite here. They're in the catbird seat. They will have to go earn it and nothing will be handed to them. But based on what I've seen, I just have a hard time picking anybody else at this point. It's it's so just learning about all these things. And that's one of the things you've been pretty consistent about since we've started doing this segment on the show as we've got closer to the NCAAs as Penn State is the favorite and they continue to be the favorite. One small piece of mortality, one small upset here or there is a huge difference along the way. And it's just fascinating how that happens one time. And then not to say that Penn State isn't the prohibitive favorite, but there is more of a conversation, I think, now than there was uh, a week and a half ago. And as uh, Kale Sanderson said, you just got to go out and wrestle and do your best. And, and, and you know, I think that they have the right formula for all of these things when it comes to scoring points, making sure yep. you really go for it. And you can, that's the right way to do that. And they ha- do they have the wrestlers to do that? It seems like even with nine, they're, in the advantage there so it's going to be fascinating to watch and if you want people to follow along with how you're covering uh penn state's ncaa tournament championship bid tell me where can we get that information yeah so t frank if you want to join us to follow penn state wrestling all weekend long as you mentioned the tournament is thursday through saturday it airs on espnu we're going to have a front page post at bluewhiteillustrated.com that will keep you up to date as all the action unfolds during each session and then also over on the wrestling room forum we'll be discussing things as the matches happen so please feel free to join us remember uh, just one dollar for one year of access to blue white illustrated and on three so be sure to check that out if you haven't yet and yeah, it is a, a big week for Penn State wrestling, no doubt, and a big week for Penn State in general. Spring break is over, T. Frank. Yeah. Recruiting's about to pick back up. Spring practice is almost here. Wrestling tournament weekend is here. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of excitement, and uh, Penn State fans should be gearing up for what is a busy few weeks on the horizon. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Absolutely. Now, it already aired today, but you can always catch the re-air on uh, YouTube whenever you like and the podcast version. BWI Live today, we talked about the uh, the position battles for spring football. We're down to position battles. It is here. 
to actually, well, I mean, it's still a week away, but it's here. We're talking about spring football in detail, so we'll get into that. Make sure you check that out. And of course, subscribe to Blue Eyed Illustrated so you don't miss any of the information, including when we go live, which I'll give you a, se- I'll give you a secret. It's every Monday at noon, unless there's a special circumstance. You can join us there ask uh, questions live in the show, and of course, catch the replay whenever you'd like here on YouTube. And if you subscribe, hit the notification button. You don't miss anything. And if you do that and sign up for the dollar uh, deal for BlueWayIllustrated.com, the whole thing costs you a dollar. It is a great deal. So let's get into spring football a little bit. Uh, What are you interested in learning uh, when it comes to what you're, you're, you're projecting for Penn State spring football. So just kind of a big picture, and then we'll drill down into some of the other things in just a second. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, T. Frank, is number one, I want to see the new guys, right? The early enrollees, Mitchell Tinsley. I want to get a look at them in pads because we saw them in the weight room and that was well, some of them anyway. They weren't all there, but, you know, that was great and all. But I don't know about you and maybe uh, this is silly, but to me, I just no matter what I think I know about a guy, no matter what I think his possible role could be this year, next year, moving on, whatever, I just always don't don't know if I believe it a hundred percent until I see him in pads and say either, Oh yeah, he looks like he's ready to go or hmm, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe not quite yet. Like we thought when he was running around in t-shirts and shorts or against high school competition, you know, when, um, This is probably not a good example, but, you know, I'm pretty confident in saying that when Nick Singleton stands next to Noah Kane, you're going to know that, you know, you might, if you didn't know, you might not know which guy is a veteran running back just based on how they look in pads and helmets. Uh, But a guy like Omari Evans, on the other hand, is obviously going to take a couple years to put on the kind of weight needed to play in the Big Ten. You are going to notice a very stark difference between him and, say, Parker Washington or Keandre Lambert-Smith. So uh, I always like that is probably my favorite part of the first day of spring practice when it's open to uh, reporters and us in the media is just to get a, a look at those guys and say, okay. They definitely look ready. They definitely look this, that, or the other thing. So, I mean, beyond that, it is really, you know, I've been doing this series over at Blue White Illustrated, kind of doing a question every couple of days that looks at the big question facing a a certain uh, coach. And, you know, the more I keep thinking about that as I get ready to go into Ty Howe and filter outline and then get onto the defense, um, you know, the one challenge here, T. Frank, is that what Penn State fans want, a better running game, a more consistent offense, better quarterback play, uh, you know, what is Manny Diaz going to look like, et cetera. Yep. You know, yep. spring practice is not really going to answer a lot of those questions. I mean, Especially it, on the defensive side of the ball. If you think you're seeing right. any sort of intricate thing that's going to be a part of the defense next year, right. you're going to see vanilla the whole time. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it's all, it's always the interesting part of spring practice. There are some things you can answer clear cut and there are some things where yeah. even though they may be the most important part of previewing the season, you're just not going to be able to get the answers you think you're going to. Yeah. Until the fall. One one guy that we keep hearing about and I guess I'm continually surprised because I genuinely know even going back to his high school film that I know nothing about is Harrison Wallace, but he keeps cropping up as a guy that the uh, offensive coaches are touting. Uh, I know when we were at at conditioning day, Chuck Losey mentioned him as a guy that had taken real stuff forward this year. That position, uh, and I guess that that's going to be my next question, is this is kind of my opening kind of thought when it comes to position battles. Get your idea on a couple that, that are standing out to you. One guy in one position is Harrison Wallace in that, that boundary position opposite of Mitchell Tinsley, whom I'm, I'm expecting that's who is going to be the starter over there. 
Where is Harrison Walls lining up? And what is his skill set? What is he doing? Who yeah. is he battling with? Because he's clearly of the 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 young players, the redshirt freshmen, the one we're hearing the most about. So I, I'm interested in that. What what position battles are you focusing on? Are you thinking about heading into the first day a week from now? Well, I mean, it depends on you know. I can give you my opinion, but I you know I think as as always is the case, we all just basically want to see what we think people are going to either read or talk about or listen to here <laughs> on the BWI Daily. So. I mean, to me, I want to see where that first offensive line group yeah. lines up. Where's Landon Tangwall? Is yep. he a guard? Presumably. Where's Caden Wallace? Is he a tackle? Presumably. But, you know, I want to see it in person, in the flesh. So that's one thing. And another thing, of course, is, you know, I, I we I, we spent – I'm trying to figure out how much time we spent talking about spring practice now without mentioning that, yes, Sean Clifford will be the starting – First up guy for Penn State at quarterback here in 2022 spring practice. So let me just get that out of the way. But, you know, I'm curious to see, too, you know, Khalil Dinkins in this tight end room. uh, You know, obviously they returned everyone, Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, and Tyler Warren. But I thought Khalil Khalil Dinkins looked pretty uh, well put together when he was at the weightlifting session we were able to attend. So I'm curious to see if he has a role this year. And one of those tight ends, just like one of those running backs, has to really step up, T. Frank, in my opinion and take the bull by the horns and make themselves the guy. Let me ask you let me let me ask you about that particular at the tight end position because the point about last season was it wasn't going to be one guy, they were all going to step up and they were all going to be a factor. And to a certain degree, I would say there was some truth to that with Tyler Warren having a role and coming on late at the end of the season. Uh, and then you had Brenton Strange, who turned out to be the best run blocker, and then Theo Johnson, who was the best, uh, was the receiving tight end by the end of the season. You know, based on the numbers and the targets. So there was an element of that, but I wouldn't. I don't think anyone would say that the tight end room as a group stepped up. Do you think that we can see something similar with an elevated level of play, or do you really think that somebody has to distinguish themselves as the guy, and then the other two are support players around him? I have a tough time with rotations in a lot of respects because it feels like to me sometimes when you have two starters at a position, it, well, all it really means is you don't have one. Right. Uh, and so that's not always the case, certainly. And I think that if there's ever going to be a exception to that rule, it could be with this tight end group because obviously Theo Johnson's played a ton. Brenton Strange has played a ton. We've seen a little bit more of Tyler Warren, who obviously has shown that he can play in a variety of different roles. So... Uh, I wouldn't rule it out, but I, to me, T. Frank, I just, again, I feel like when you're rotating guys and saying you have two starters at a position, you know, that rule maybe didn't apply as much to Jesse Lucetta and Nick Tarburton because Lucetta was basically the only one playing starter reps there. They weren't splitting. There was no 50-50 share right. at defensive end, even though Penn State announced both of those guys as starters on the video board before the game. So, I mean, that is maybe one example of that not being the case. But, yeah, to me, I just always prefer when you have a guy who is just so good either in practice or the game that you can't take him off the field. I think that makes your – it's an obvious statement, but I just yeah. think that unless, if you have two guys like that, great, find a way to use them. But, you know, if you go back to a lot of what you have said on here and also on the site – uh, you know, Mike Yurcich does not exactly have a long background of tight end right. success. Right. Uh, that's the one spot where his offense is, for whatever reason, not really taken off. So, uh, point being there that, you know, if you're Penn State, I think that, you know, you got to find a way to get those guys more involved. But I'm just not convinced that if they end up with, you know, 
uh, two guys playing each half the starter reps, that's necessarily the best uh, way forward for this team in 2022 on offense. Yeah, and if you have two tight ends on the field, who are you taking off of the football field? So, right. you know, you, you're you not in a three-receiver set. The questions about Harrison Wallace don't matter. Uh, you know, the there is one thing I would say, and I would push back a little bit, that the H-back position and what Brenton Strange does is slightly different than what the other think the other two true inline tight ends are when it comes to uh, Theo, Stra- Theo Strange, Theo Johnson, and Tyler Warren. But Strange also lines up at traditional tight end, so there's some flexibility to get guys on the football field and have kind of a quasi 21 personnel where you have two running backs. But we're I mean, we're splitting hairs here. This is like the conversation right. about the linebacker position in Jonathan Sutherland. It's like, is it six of one or half dozen of the other? And it might not matter in the end. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to that position, Penn State has been traditionally best when they have one player that is clearly the best and then guys that can come in and have sub-package roles because it gives your offense stability and you don't need to rotate as much. Um, what non-position battle information are you looking for this period? You, we mentioned we're not going to get a lot of detail from Andy Diaz and the structure of his defense. Um, what are you looking for in, so, in sort of non-personnel, non-position uh, battle news that's going to inform something to you about the state of football heading into the fall? Yeah, this is going to sound kind of stupid, T. Frank, but I just want to watch how they practice. Like, we've yeah. seen for eight eight years, because Brent Pry and Bob Shoup were pretty much exactly the same. Like, there really wasn't re- anything that changed when Pry took over in terms of uh, individual drills or things like that. Um, so it's been very consistent now for eight years. So I'm just going to be curious to see uh, the few chances we get to go to spring practice. What is different? You know, what is changed or tweaked or is and it would be just as interesting did man diaz come here and james franklin said this is the way we do these things uh you know here we go get on board let's get moving so i'm curious about that and then tackling too i think is obviously the big thing and i'm not saying tackling like you know they're going to start suddenly hitting in practice every single day number one they can't number two they wouldn't but i want to see how he teaches it differently than maybe ren pride did in that tag off uh, you know, how do you teach fundamentals of something that you're asking a guy not to do? I guess right. is what I'm getting at here. Right. So, yeah, so that I will be just it, it sounds very generic and vague, but just the way that he runs practice and the way that he pushes uh, his players, I think is going to be very insightful early on, because to your point, everything we see is going to be vanilla. But I will say this. Who's the other safety beside Brown? Who yep. gets the first shot at a Keaton Ellis or Jalen Reed? I would be willing to bet Reed, but we'll see. Is that your is that your view of it as well that that Keaton Ellis has moved over to that other safety position because that was something I was looking at this weekend and and I wrote about it over bluewhiteillustrated.com is it seems like Penn State has they have four safeties which is a good depth that they they typically have four and then a couple other scholarship guys that are growing and developing Enzo Jennings Tyler Rudolph they move on so there's a lack of that quasi veteran depth there but it feels like Penn State moving Zaki Wheatley over has three good safety positions at the free safety position, but that boundary strong safety, they got to make something happen, and all of their good uh, reinforcements are coming later in the year. So is that kind of your view of what's going to happen at that safety that Keaton Ellis moves over? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think at this point that makes – yeah. Right. Um, And, you know, again, you put it well today, but there's a couple of positions where – 
man, they're going to have some numbers issues during spring practice. I, <laughs> I just don't see any way around it. I mean, there are just some spots that are very light right now. And there are help, help is on the way in the terms of signees, maybe not guys who will play right away to all those positions. But I just think whenever we talk about this, T. Frank, or whatever I read what you wrote over the weekend or you know what have you, uh, it just becomes clear that you know some Penn State fans are sort of freaking out, like, hey, where's the transfer portal additions? What's going on here? Uh, and one, if we talked about, they're not easy. But then number two, uh, they're still probably coming. Uh, and if you don't think <laughs> yeah. that, just take a closer look at the depth chart and the roster and all that, and uh, you're going to see pretty quickly that you know there's some numbers issues here that they're probably going to have to address via the portal. Yep. Uh, the last thing I'm interested in, and I'll just throw this in as a non-football thing, uh, or a non-personnel thing is just how crisp is the offense in year two? Right. And one, some of the higher level things that I want to know, you mentioned the tight end. How does Mike Yersich having three tight ends, what does he learn from his first season in this system and how can he adapt it to get those guys on the field and, and just in general, how to use that position? We're not going to see a ton of that when it comes to this, but how crisp is the offensive line? How much better do the players understand what they're supposed to do and how do they, and this is something that we were talking on the message board, another reason to sign up for a dollar is you get inside information and access and we have these conversations first on the Lions Den message board is that communication along the offensive line was an issue last season. How do you get players to communicate because you can tell them like if you watch a basketball game you can see the coaches sometimes yelling at them to talk you can't make right. guys talk how do you make guys talk and how do you get the right group out there of people that are willing to lead willing to listen and willing to support in the process of the offensive line in particular but then spread that out to the running game and pass protection all those things so i'm interested in all those the end of that all of that stuff to see just if it's clean it's crisp and there aren't a bunch of you know, looking around, staring at each other, like what, what were, what happened there? Last, right. last thing, just kind of a general. What, uh, what else are you thinking of? Closing thoughts when it comes to spring practice coming up in a week. Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad it's here, right? I mean, that's yeah. just, uh, I'm, I'm quite excited that that we're on this verge here of things changing because you know, at the end of the day, T. Frank. Uh, Penn State is uh, in a pretty pivotal year here. I mean, and we've again, when you're going through winter workouts and you're looking back at the season that it just ended, what, two months ago, even though it feels more like about two years have passed between since uh, now and then. But, <laughs> That's um, a good point. <laughs> But, you know, um, and you think about all this stuff and then, you know, that's great. And it's awesome to talk about. It passes the time. But, you know, getting the chance to interact with these guys, the coaches, the players, see them in person, I think really is the best way to inform your opinion about how uh, this team can improve between these 15 practices and then, of course, moving forward. So, yeah, time will tell on how ultimately all of this shakes out. But, you know, to me, I think it's great that this time of year is here and it's an important one. Penn State must take advantage of it. No question. Always awesome talking to Greg Pickle, our reporter for Blue White Illustrated. Greg, thanks for the time today. All right. Thank you, T. Frank. Make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as always. And if you read, if the outro music is playing, if you like the video that much to stay here to this point, give the video a like. It's always super helpful. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We will be back tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.